Welcome to Adoptive Feels with Hannah and Ryan, a podcast on anything and everything adoption related. In today's episode, Hannah interviews Meg. Meg O'Shea is a comic maker and illustrator who grew up in Sydney, Australia. She has been published in The Nib, The Lifted Brow, and in various anthologies. And you can find and follow her amazing work on Instagram at even.little.meg. Her website is currently under construction. She's been living in Seoul for the past eight months, where she spends her time eating, making small comics, and struggling to communicate in Korean. Two things before we launch into it. First, there's a little bit of swearing in this episode, and second, content warning, there are mentions of sexual harassment and sexual assault in what follows. So today, um, it's just me, Hannah, unfortunately, no Ryan, and I'm interviewing Meg O'Shea, another Australian Korean adoptee living in Seoul. There's like three of us, right? Yeah. That we know of. <laughs> um, so we're in Meg's place in HBC. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's surprisingly quiet right now. Yeah. Yeah, probably if it's going to get noisy, it probably won't kick off until about midnight when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so my first, like this is just a general question, but I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Sydney. I mean, yeah, just like, tell us your whole life story okay. <laughs> briefly. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was all right growing up in Sydney. Um, I grew up on Sydney's North Shore, which is like a, fa- a fairly quite affluent area. Ah. And I also went to a private school Girls? All girls? All girls private school. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel... Do you think they fuck you up socially? Hell, they definitely <laughs> fuck you up socially. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yes. Yeah, they, they make, like... They fuck you yeah, up socially. Yeah, they make you awkward, right? Yeah, they fuck you up socially, like, ideologically. <laughs> like, yeah. Was it Catholic? It wasn't Catholic. It was just technically, like, uniting or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... But yeah, like, yeah, that was, that was pretty shit. I still have some good mates from that, but they were like, you know, mostly just everyone else who, who didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Were um, there other Asians at your high school? Yeah, there were, there were some. Um, were yeah. you friends with them? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really have that many friends I keep in contact with from school, but about half of them are are Asian, like either East or South Asian. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Oh god, school was so long ago. Definitely, definitely like students of colour were still in a minority Mm. at school. Yeah. Especially at like a bougie all-girls private school, right? Yeah. Same. Anyway. So, you first came back to Korea to visit in 2016, right? Yeah. Um, on that random tour, run yeah. by a tour guide yeah. or something. <laughs> Not by an adoptee organization. No. Um, so, it was just a guy who owns a, a printing company here that prints mostly Christian calendars for an American market. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he'd, he'd just begun running adoptee first trip home tours about 20 years ago i'm not i'm not entirely sure why he'd let he told us he had like a a hard upbringing and that made him kind of like sympathetic to adoptees plight um but it was difficult to get into like his exact reason it was like the the guy who owned the company who ran the company was also the guy who like bought us around personally on all of the tour. It was kind of like, you know, stoic, middle-aged Korean dude who wanted everyone to get drunk and loved smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was a bit of a weird time. It's a bit of a weird time. He didn't, like... He wasn't so, under- so good at, like, understanding, you know, stress 
and like feelings <laughs> might have been having as well. So it was interesting. Did he subsidize it personally, or? Um. Yeah. The company. The company paid for everything except for flights. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know anyone else has done that particular tour. Yeah. Um. The group I went with was quite small compared to other years. Apparently, kind of less than half the size of previous years. At what point, I'm just curious, did you know that you wanted to move here later after that tour or during the tour or I don't know? I suppose it was at the end of the tour. Actually, after the tour, I stayed on for another couple of weeks just with Liam, my boyfriend, just doing all the touristy shit. Um, but, you know, at the end, when it was time to go, I just found myself in this, like, complete panic because I felt like, you know, there were there was so many loose ends and I'd kind of I'd kind of signed up for the tour on a whim. I hadn't really really thought that much about like being adoptee or being Korean until about maybe like a year before I mm. I went on the tour. So I'm like, oh I've I've found out like I've been to Korea, I'm starting to find out about all this shit, like you know, I need I need more time to work out what the fuck's going on and what happened and to like contextualize this stuff that I experienced on the tour. And yeah, I guess I felt like living here would be the best way to do it, mm. even though I'm in like the most foreign part of Seoul right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you wrote a you created a piece about that about yeah. that trip called "A Part of Me Is Still Unknown," and I remember finding it like. Um, like, I remember it was quite, um, it was, like, being posted a lot on social media, I think, like, around when it was first mm. published in 2018, is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of 2018? I should know this, sorry. Yeah. Um, and people can still, like, people can find it on the nib, right? Yeah. yeah. So I just, like, revisited it um, to, like, do my research for this interview. <laughs> and, and it's still... It's so powerful, and I was wondering, did it take you a long time to create that piece? Like, first, I guess, processing the experience of your trip here. And then, I was curious, like, so what was that process like of creating that piece? I can't really remember how I'd begun it. I, th I think I might have just started writing about that particular particular day as sort of a diary entry kind of thing, just to mm. record it. Because it was, it was maybe the most trying day I was in Korea. Like potentially even more trying than like you know the agency visits or yeah. anything like that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's kind of a way to record and process it. I just I started writing and I'd been getting into comics and like well getting into making comics seriously and you know. I thought, why not turn this into a comic? Because there were there were things there I felt like I could only show rather than tell. Yes. Um, and it was that was half finished, and I presented it um, as part of a read to me, um, which is an event that goes on in Sydney, where like comic artists present their stories to an audience like they project they project the images of their stories and they also read them to an audience um as part of comic conversation at ashfield oh it sounds cool yeah, yeah. um it is cool but um yeah larry harris who is one of the editors of the nib was there and saw it and you know asked me if i wanted to to finish it and oh, cool. for publication on the nib and I think that's the only reason I finished it like I was just like kind of fucking floundering is that one of your longest pieces? yeah it is I have a lot of trouble doing long stuff <laughs> yeah no it's amazing I mean I think you know it just so well illustrates that experience of like like how when you're an adoptee in Seoul and you you're doing a birth family search, how it can, like, it kind of drives you crazy wondering, like, any of these, any of these random people, mm. 
here could could be related to you. You know, it's it's like, yeah. um, and I actually really love how like the text and visuals kind of almost like dovetail mm. each other, and then it like ends in I think just visuals. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, was it difficult to like? Was that one of the most personal works that you'd created at that point? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'd never really kind of fully articulated something that complex before. And, yeah. (laughs) Did you make, like, some cool connections from, like, after that piece was published? Or, like, you know, did you, I don't know, uh, did other adoptees reach out to you? Or, I mean, what kind of response did you get? I got a... I got... A few nice comments from other adoptees, but I think mostly off the back of that, um, like I've met a lot of other comics people. Yeah. Just like people who were also there and and reading that day. Oh shit, I can't remember who was there. (laughs) Um, Like Josh Sandospirito and like I mentioned, Larry Harris. just making connections with other comics people who were like, you know, I'd heard of, but only on the internet and who like, I kind of respected a lot. Um, That was kind of cool. I was actually, yeah, yeah, I don't know, like, I saw it got posted on the Korean Adoptees Facebook group. Ah, okay. um, A bit after it was put up and I didn't, I was too scared to like, interact with anyone who commented (laughs) on it. It was mostly positive, so... (laughs) I'm sure it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and how did you get into creating comics in the first place? Like, how did you start to... Uh, like, how did you come to discover comics as a way of expressing, like, these, like, little everyday moments and, like, you know, I don't know, intricacies of daily life? I don't know, like... You know, in high school and stuff, I'd occasionally make just, like, kind of gag comics to Ah. make my friends laugh, but I didn't really take it seriously or, like, understand the potentials of it as a medium until I did, like, just a one-semester comics class as part of an animation degree at UTS. Okay. Um, It was taught by this dude called Pat Grant, um, and he's, like... He's a comics academic, oh. and so he was able to, able to, kind of, introduce me to like a lot of really good comics that I hadn't read before, um, and also just maybe maybe not theory, but just like more of the potentials of comics, um, and yeah, kind of really dug it. Like I'd I'd done visual art before that, like I'd just done a straight art degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very lecturers kind of encouraged us to make you know very conceptual art um, but it was also very inaccessible art right right. Um, yeah so one of the things that appealed to me about comics was the fact that you could say so much to, with it but it could also be like very very accessible so if you really gave a shit about something you could turn it into a format that other people can access. You can encourage them to like give shits about the things you give shits about, which is which is cool. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. So then you did move back to Korea earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've been living here since February. Yep, end of February. Okay, so. Not quite a full year yet. No. (laughs) I was just kind of curious, like, in what ways has living here so far been what you expected and in what ways has it been, like, not at all what you expected? To be honest, I was expecting it to be a lot more stressful. Yeah. I was expecting to have a huge identity crisis as as soon as the plane touched down. Um, I think that might have been because I only had, like, my last time here to compare it to. Mm. Um, and being on a first trip home tour, like, you... It's a whole tour geared to have you confront constantly your status as an adoptee and to be, like, assessing your Koreanness and trying to, you know, gauge what 
Koreanness is through the stuff you're saying and the stuff you're doing as well. Um, but you know, coming coming here to live, you know, you've got kind of fun practical things to distract you, like find your house and like finding <laughs> out how to buy groceries. Um, yeah, you can kind of just not have to think about that constantly because you have other things to do. Um, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it's actually an effort just to kind of figure out how to. Yeah, like like learn the ropes here, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But also at the same time, like, I don't know, difficulties in doing that does does make you very aware of, like, you know, identity-related stuff in terms of, like, you know, you might, like, go into a shop needing something and, you know, the woman working there will start speaking at, like, full-speed old lady Korean at you because <laughs> <laughs> they, they expect you to understand, like, that... Depending, depending on like you know how you're feeling that day, that can be a bit, can be a bit like disheartening. Do you think living in Korea has um, impacted your your comics? Like, has there been any shift in the kind of work you've been creating, or like the inspiration and the ideas for the work um, since you've moved here? Yeah, definitely. I think there's just been more happening to to document like mm. part of the reason I make comics is to document stuff I think is significant um but also I often use like comic making for stress relief so there's been like <laughs> quite a few like stressors that I need to like like either either work through or just like externalize so I can get them out of my head so yeah yeah so I guess I've just been making more comics because of that and I guess <laughs> in general just like I don't know just like kind of quicker quicker and like a bit shittier because they need to be out faster <laughs> I don't know no I think um I, I relate to a lot of them actually like like also living here and mm. yeah <laughs> thank you um have your comics always been so like personal and kind of vulnerable and like like, were you always um, kind of this, like, central character? Or, um, like, I'm assuming that your adoption experience, or, you know, just be, being an adoptee, that identity wasn't always a part of your art? Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't until, like, you know, it became an issue in my life, which is still quite recent. I think, like... I needed to work my my way up to being able to very kind of just blatantly discuss that kind of stuff in my work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think it's like, I don't know, I, I feel like sometimes with, you know, sharing uh, parts of my own ad adoptee experience that, um, yeah, you build up to like sharing more and more. Yeah. And you, you become more comfortable with being um, exposing yourself in that mm -hmm. way, but um, but I feel like maybe with your piece, like a part of me is still unknown. Like you jumped in into the deep end there with uh, <laughs> you know with sharing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I guess I did. I think like I don't know. Again, like the the fact that I had a deadline from the nib was. <laughs> was a huge part of that being turned into <laughs> anything that people could actually read. So that may have been part of it. But also I was I was also initially working on it for like just personal reasons of trying to just turn what the fuck I was feeling into some sort of, you know, logical format, I suppose. Not that logical. Mm. No, I think it's beautiful. I think it's still like it's it's nuanced and complex and it's yeah. And tender. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think it it would have been, like, wrong to... You can't... Like, that is a complex experience, I think. Mm -hmm. On that note, um, have you continued your birth family search since you've been here, or...? To be honest, I... When I wrote the... When I wrote the comic, um, I hadn't actually started my birth family search. I was just in Korea with kind of my speculation running wild um and I still haven't actually started I I've had to work my way up to it I sent my first email to goal about a week ago oh wow <laughs> yeah. yeah um 
and I haven't followed up sending through my copies um, of paperwork or anything yet. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't know, like, I'm very disorganized, which is part of it, but also I'm just, like, kind of scared. <laughs> so yeah. I had to, had to work my way up to it. I probably, I probably should before, like, winter hits and I'm, like, housebound <laughs> with nothing else but my thoughts. Um, yeah. I also looked at another one of your recent works for a, a compilation of art on oh, the yeah. subject of, like, female sexual harassment and sexual assault. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that piece? Well, it's a four-page comic. Black line work. Red block colours. Um, it's, it's about a party I went to at the beginning of my first year of my undergrad. Um, and I didn't really know anyone there that well. And I met this guy who was like heaps chatty and told me he like really liked Asian women. And I'm like, ah, oh, cool. How is this relevant? And it was like showing me, you know, pictures of his, his, well, him, like, wrestling Ugh. his ex in her underwear. What? Like, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know people here. I'm just going to, like, keep talking. And, yeah. well, it seems counterintuitive, but, like, keep talking and hope he leaves me alone. But he didn't. And then he kind of, like, locked me in a kitchen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, you yeah. know, it was, I don't know. I was, I was kind of drunk and it was surprising and then like one of his mates actually came in and invited me out for a walk I'm like cool this is potentially also a bad situation but yeah. I want to get out so I just like went for a walk around the suburb with him and came back yeah yeah did you um I don't, I don't even know what to say um did you have ways of like processing and unpacking that experience after that I don't know I kind of like I bought it up as a joke with friends at a group dinner um but I didn't really talk about it like I don't know like I find it difficult to talk about shit which is why I think I make comics yeah um yeah but I just like I kind of mentioned it in passing to a couple of friends who didn't really talk about it that much I think um, I don't know, like, most of the reason why it was so galling was, like, as I mentioned in the comic, I, th I thought Asian fetishists were just, like, a joke for ages, because I'm like, oh, no, fucking, why, why would people be into, like, Asian women? Oh, oh I'm so gross. Because, because we're, like, so submissive, right, <laughs> yeah. and, like, delicate or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, I just, yeah. I honestly, I honestly thought it was, like, or at least, like, some kind of part of me that didn't want to think critically about it honestly thought it was a joke for like until that night really I'm like yeah oh, these guys just like having a laugh joking around about like these you know right yeah uh, <sighs> was it um it sounds so cliche but was it kind of cathartic to make a piece about that experience like I don't know if it was cathartic. It's mostly just... It was mostly just kind of stressful. Like, I, mm. en I enjoyed having an opportunity to to talk about, you know, the things, like, the kind of issues that experience brought up for me. And I enjoyed, like, having an opportunity to, like, narrativize this thing that I'd had locked in the back of my head for ages. Mm. But to be honest, like, you know, the... The fact that people were gonna see it is quite stressful. Like, I still, the person who invited me to that party is still my friend on Facebook, and I don't know if he's still friends with that dude or not. Um, I'm like, oh fuck, what if this guy sees sees the comic and like sends a torrent of abuse? Like, you know, like you know, if that mutual friend sees it, the comic, like they'll know what what I've been writing about, like know the incident that I was writing about like I don't know like 
I make I make comics because I'm like a coward when it comes to talking about no, stuff. No, it's like, oh, oh, no. People are going to see this. People might talk to me about this shit in real life, which is happening right now. Um, yeah, it's just, it was mostly just stressful to be honest. Like I appreciate yeah. the, you know, obviously like appreciate the people have been appreciative of it. Like you know, obviously like it's the sort of experience that resonates with a lot of people, particularly like Asian women. Um, and you know, you know, you know how it is when you find something that resonates with you because yeah. you've experienced it. Like I like the thought that people might be able to get that from it, but. Oh, I think they absolutely will. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just, yeah, it's just mostly stressful. Have you had other experiences of um, racism and/or fetishization in Australia? Um. Sorry, this is like this is a downer of a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like full of joy. Our podcast. <laughs> oh, let's let's talk about your cute cartoons. By the way, racism in Australia. Um, so yes, the first one definitely. Yeah. Um, but also, like, in terms of fetishization, nothing that blatant. Yeah, I don't know. I've had, you know, guys come up to me in bars and, like, start talking to me about, like, oh, man, your grandma's cooking must be amazing. Like, I love Asian food. Oh. Or, like, you know, I was waiting in line at the post office to, like, send a parcel and um, had this middle-aged dude just, like, come up to me and start talking to me about, like, how... You know, he really gets along well with like Chinese women. He's got like a Chinese woman who works for him, and she really likes him, and she gets along well with him. And did I want to go out for coffee with him? I'm like, oh, what? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got really angry at me when I said no like three times. Uh, oh. Um. Yeah, but yeah, like nothing as blatant as that party and someone straight up saying yeah. I'm really into Asian chicks. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it kind of infuriating how uh, a lot of Australians are in denial that Australia is a racist country? Yes. I mean, like, I, I love Australia. I I miss it. Yeah. But it's fucking racist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's hard for people to understand any sort of, I don't know, what's the right word, like, discrimination, if they haven't experienced it, I think, because, mm. you know, it can take so many forms, and a lot of those forms are so subtle, like, you wouldn't pick up on it unless you'd been, like, living it, you know, every day, like, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a discussion about, you know, what was that thing that happened with that American girl, like, Wearing a, a prom dress, um, wearing a traditional Chinese uh, right, right. dress to her prom or whatever. Mm. You know, for a lot of people, no, of, of course that's, of course that's not a problem. Like she's appreciating the culture. Like it looks nice. Yeah. And like I mean, she was like an eighteen-year-old girl and probably shouldn't have been dragged as hard as she was. Yeah. But when stuff like that comes up and like issues of like cultural appropriation pop up, like. You know, a lot of people who don't see it as a problem generally bring up the fact that, you know, like, oh no, people in China really dog it, like, but it's a completely different dynamic when you're living in kind of like a white dominated society and you have like, you know, you kind of, you kind of try and keep what you can. Yeah. Of, I've gone off on a mad tangent. I can't even remember what you asked. No, no. I'm sorry. I just asked you like a really big, broad question <laughs> about like experiencing racism. Okay. Yeah. What particularly annoys me about Australia is that we we feel that we're such a multicultural yeah. country, so that we we don't have an issue with racism. I feel like yeah, there's a, still a big denial of it. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it is political. Uh, particularly difficult because you know like 
up until about 10 years ago, multiculturalism was a big word when we talked about Australian identity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you see a lot of faces that look different to yours when you go out most places, most big cities, at least in Australia. Um, I think in Australia there's also a bit of an issue around taking things seriously. Yes. Yeah, and, like, you know... Any, any sort of, like, indication of, like, political commitment in a lot of, like, kind of casual social spheres. Yeah. Everyone will be like, fuck, what are you going on about? Like, you're taking stuff too seriously. Uh, man, it was, you know, it's... I was, I was just, you know, poking fun at you. Yeah. When, like, I asked you if you needed chopsticks or, like, you know, it's, you know, it's just a joke, mate. Calm down, take a joke, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's more important to be able to, like, take a joke than um call something out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that well yeah i mean that's a very australian thing right that yeah. you need to be able to like yeah just not take yourself too seriously that's like yeah. more important than unless someone's like building a mosque in your town <laughs> it's really fucking serious yeah it's kind of nice to have a break from that living here right do you find that yeah yeah definitely that is actually one of the things that like really struck me when I first got here like I could go outside and like even though I you know can't do my makeup or hair properly <laughs> I can still pass. oh no <laughs> <laughs> um you know like I could I can still pass as a local like I know I can get on the bus without like you know someone striking up a conversation with me and then like asking me about like where I came from, or, like... Yeah. 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 Or just, like, you know, walk past a bunch of drunk people in the street and not have any of them, like, shout any racist shit at you. Like, yeah. It was... It was, like... It was, like, going on a holiday, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's, like, this feeling of um, being able to pass here as a Korean. Yeah. You know, which contrasts with this feeling of in Australia sometimes wondering if I will ever pass. Yeah. Like, ever in my lifetime. Yeah. I may never fully pass as an Australian, which is like... Which makes me feel really sad sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, at the same time, I think living here um, highlights a lot of the ways in which I'm very, very culturally Australian. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird juxtapositions. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely been, like, you know, that very kind of stereotypical adoptee thing of, like, you know, never feeling wholly, like, one one identity yeah. or the other. Um, yeah, I've definitely been feeling that a lot lately, I think. Like, you know, I've been here a while and still my Korean is terrible. And, like, you know, my inability to have, like, you know, basic interactions with people. Like, you know, I've been to some shops enough where... where you know, the the person behind the counter might try and speak to me and I'm like, I can't interact with you, like I can't I have I have no way of like understanding so many things just beyond a very surface level right now and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't belong here. But like, you know, being in Australia and like you know, maybe like waiting from the for a boss and like having someone like call you a gook while you're waiting for the boss. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, shit, I don't belong here either. Like, yeah, yeah. Or it's like in Australia, you you know, you'd be in a store and you will be having some like nice kind of yeah. like interaction with like the, the salesperson or whatever. And then something will come up like, yeah. oh, and so where are you from? Yeah. It's like, and you think you're going so well. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm like connecting with this person. Yeah. And like, I'm not awkward. I'm like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm really good at small talk or something. And then... Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've kind of felt like that maybe it's changing a little bit now, but I'm, I'm kind of more okay as failing... Um, I'm kind of more okay with failing to be Korean than failing to be Australian. Right. I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know if you... Yeah, I mean, I, I just, at this point, accept that I'm... Well, I'm, you know, we, I'm not definitely not a typical Korean. I'm never going to be some kind of typical or, like, ideal Korean woman. Mm. And 
that's fine. I'm just like, you know, I've, I've, I've personally have never really felt that pressure to be, um, like, to be a good Korean mm. or to, yeah, so it's like, I also, my Korean's also, like, really bad, but, but that's okay. I feel like the only way I'm going to, like, enjoy, like, remotely enjoy learning Korean and, like, learning more about this culture mm. and is, like, if I can remove that pressure from myself to, yeah. Yeah, does that make sense? Like, yeah. I mean, personally, I've never felt it anyway, which is which is nice. Like, yeah. Oh, except like with with weight, like uh, body image. Mm. At the when I first came here, I really felt that. I was mm. like, geez, I'm like an enormous Korean. Like, it's enormous. I'm still short. I'm still short in this country. Like, damn it. But like, like short and like relatively enormous. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Part of the interesting thing about coming to Korea is like being exposed to all of these other ways you can fail to fit into expectations. It's <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> I have like a rather personal question and you don't have to answer okay. it. Okay. My tax file number, my <laughs> bank account details, my blood type, yeah. Um so you have like a long-term supportive white partner yes and um <laughs> yes who's, who's patiently waiting <laughs> silently waiting in Holding the next in room <laughs> waiting for the next toilet break <laughs> uh, thank you liam <laughs> um and i was wondering i don't know if you've ever felt that race has come up in your in your relationship or um, if you felt that there's, there's, you've had experiences that like, well, he obviously can't fully understand or, and also the experience of like coming here together. Mm. I don't know. I, th- I think I've been quite lucky and that kind of Liam's had a history of good politics, like radical politics. So mm-hmm. he'd been, he'd been exposed to a lot of discussions around race that maybe others mightn't have yeah um but i mean like you know obviously like knowing that kind of shit can take you so far that you know if i've been upset about something and i've explained it to him he he will understand which i think is like very lucky yeah um but also coming here just like i don't know like i'm part of expat facebook groups which i shouldn't be part of but you know, there's you know a lot of a lot of tropes about like you know white guys coming over here, white guys who are really into like Korean women. Oh yeah. And you know, just dating women because they're Korean and that kind of thing. And often, I mean, like I don't. This is just me projecting, but like I often get quite self conscious when I'm on the street and I pass another <laughs> like Asian woman and white dude. And I'm like. Oh fuck! We look like a fucking statistic. No, you yeah, guys, yeah. excuse me. I'm Australian. We met in Australia. Just, yeah, yeah, I am very aware of like how we might read visually. So I heard that your your parents visited here earlier this year, and you made some comics about it. Um, yeah, how was it? <laughs> I, you know, the main thing I hear from other adoptees whose parents come to visit yeah. is that, like, it's like they love their parents, but they're like, it was stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's it pretty fucking stressful. Um, I don't know. To be honest, one of the main things, like, my mom's feet are pretty fucked up and my dad's knees are a bit oh, fucked up. Oh, yeah. There is a lot of walking in Korea. Yeah. And a lot of the subway um, stations, like, don't necessarily have, like, elevators or... Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, so there was a lot of, like, me running down subway platforms looking for lifts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know. I, I feel like my... Sorry, this is a tangent, but my speech has become, like, way more American. Like, from being here. God, like, yes. Why am I saying elevator? It's a <laughs> lift, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> but you, I like, you read it like that, because all the English you see is yeah. like American English, but also I've found I have to, I have to put on like a slight American accent for my students to understand me a lot. Yes. Cause they've learnt American English and oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so self-conscious. Like garage. Yeah. I change it when I teach English to yeah. kids. 
Yeah, if like if I'm trying to say something more clearly now to Liam, I'll put I'll automatically put it on an American accent. Yeah. Uh, I kind of don't want to lose it though. I, yeah. 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 I. Oh god, I'm just so self-conscious about my accent here. It's just like you know, like even the fluent English speaker is like, "What were you saying about paper? No, people, people." Like, oh no. Sorry. What were we talking anyway, about? Yeah. Sorry. Your, sorry. Your parents visited. Yeah. And. Yeah, mobility is, like, a thing in Korea. Like, it's a very walking, public transport yeah. city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, like, I was just kind of worried that they'd hate it. Like, my... Mm. I don't know, like, my my mom gets upset quite easily because... And both my parents just get generally stressed out very easily. And, you know, traveling in general is can be quite a yeah, stressful yeah. experience. But it was also, like, all this added weight, like, you know, this place I've decided to live, I have to, I have to show it in its best light so, you know, they don't worry and, like, you know, they think, you know, I want them to think, like, you know, Koreans are cool, nice people because, <laughs> you know, I'm living amongst them and I'm, like, investigating this part of myself that is them and I don't, I mostly just didn't want them to, like, think Korea was terrible and to stress out about me because they're, they're very anxious people <laughs> <laughs> like when you went to like restaurants and stuff mm. did the staff look to you as like some kind of tour guide or translator or like yeah um it's hard to say what they thought but they definitely <laughs> spoke to me first even though Liam's actually better at Korean than me <laughs> um but a lot of the time we were kind of eating in touristy areas so they'd they'd have English. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I partly ask because I'm, I'm curious about what the experience is going to be like when my parents eventually visit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to finish, I wanted to ask you about um, your creative processes. Yes. <laughs> um... So I was wondering, because I think you've made a couple of um, little comics that have touched on this. How do you personally deal with, like, the self-doubt and sometimes, like, self-loathing that often accompanies any any creative output? Yeah, I was just curious. Like, Dan, do you have any personal advice on this or ways that you deal with it? God, that's a... <laughs> Really good question. <laughs> mm, how do I cope with the self-loathing? <laughs> I guess I asked because I saw like a little comic on your Instagram, which I assume was like rela largely related to creative work, where it's like there was it pictured you, and there was like a voice in your ear, like saying like your shit or something yeah. like that. Um. Yeah, I think I think. I think just making stuff. I think that's why so many of my comics are so short. Like, like the longer you're stuck in that process, well, I've found at least the longer I'm stuck in in that process where you know, like you're you're like planning and plotting out stuff, and you have all these opportunities to second guess yourself. Mm. Like the the potentially shittier shittier you feel because, like, you know the kind of final output still all up in the air and you've got nothing to prove that you can do stuff um, yeah so I think like yeah I just make short comics to kind of document stuff and work through stuff but also to show I can make things and like you know people like it on Instagram I'm like cool done a thing awesome I think I've heard that advice though before from it's, it's like, keep making the work anyway. Yeah. Just keep doing it anyway. Yeah. yeah. It does make it harder, though, because, I mean, ideally I would like to make longer format stuff, which I've been saying for about the past four years. <laughs> but it's just difficult without that kind of instant kind of gratification, maybe, of making small stuff to, to motivate you. Yeah, think, no, yeah. I think it's... It's not just instant gratification. I think it's, like, validation and encouragement. And, mm. you know, it's, like, I think that's, like, artists need that. Most 
you know, need that. It's like a, kind of like a plant needs water or something, right? You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep getting pats on the head from internet strangers to get me through the day. <laughs> I was also wondering if you have any, like, creative rituals, I don't know, like, way that you set up your space or, like, things that you do to, I don't know, like, get into the right headspace or... I'm not sure. Like, I often... I often make stuff when I'm very tired. I'm often making stuff when I should be in bed, so my day of teaching the next day is less shitty. Um, but I think, like, when my brain is is too active, I will my brain will go off on tangents and second guess too much. So I think sometimes I do stay up really late until I'm exhausted and the only thing I can focus on is making something. Ah, okay. So it's not a really good way to work. <laughs> there are other <laughs> things in my life I need to be awake for. Uh, but, yeah. Not sure what else beyond that. I guess, like, procrastinating a bunch by eating a shitload of food. Just, like, oh, yeah. walking in circles around the house eating. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This is a window into a very, very sad life. <laughs> Do you eat, like, Korean snacks or Western snacks when you're, like, snacking at home? Um, I just ate a lot of brown rice, mostly. Brown rice? Oh, well, that's that's pretty healthy snack yeah. as far as snacks go. Sometimes, like, popcorn if I can kind of kind of oh, yeah. push myself down the stairs. Well, that's kind of nutritious. I guess so. <laughs> Not the flavoured stuff you buy in the convenience stores here. Oh, okay, maybe not that, but it's like, corn's like a starch, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I should be the benchmark for, like, once nutritious. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm going to get some sort of, like, deficiency over winter. Finally, do you want to tell us about any upcoming projects or exhibitions or publications or <laughs> anything you want to <laughs> plug or um, anything you're excited to work on right now? I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm working on like a just a four-panel comic for the Nibs print publication. Cool. Um, and I don't know. Like, I would like to do more stuff about like didactic is more kind of documentary stuff um i've just been reading about like kind of women's labor movements in korea um like historical labor movements and that's interesting and i'd like i'd like to tell people about it so maybe maybe something on that if i can i don't know who knows who knows (laughs) sorry that was a terrible plug i (laughs) know yeah but um, do you recently had an exhibition or something? You were featured in, in an exhibition in, in Seoul, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I had a screen printed zine as part of. There's an art collective here called Crazy Multiply. Um, and they had a collaborative show with a UK collective called Tactile Bosch um, about kind of the performative aspects of. of you know, being a woman. Ah. And um, there was some work. Like everything. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything is a performance. <laughs> Nothing exists. Ah. Um, yeah. Um, they had some kind of work shipped over from the UK, shown with some like local artists' work, and we're sending stuff over there to be part of a reciprocal exhibition. And it just made a little zine about like trying to ape my like beer swilling packaday smoking Australian grandfather when I was younger oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is where I get my love of beer um and then being here and like trying to trying to like just kind of aesthetically replicate you know uh, what yeah. I see around me partially at least not this <laughs> yeah it sounds really it sounds really cool actually that project Mm. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, just finally, I don't know if we'll include this, but like, what's one of your favorite things about living here or about this city? Okay, on a practical level, convenience stores. Oh, yeah. The fact that they're open around the clock. If you want a beer at four o'clock in the morning, they're open. <laughs> if you want a snack at four o'clock in the morning, they're open. 
Um, it's a very kind of convenient place to live in that sense. And also, yeah, to be honest, <laughs> to bring it down again, like we were talking about before, um, you know, going outside without fear of someone reminding you of how unstereotypically Australian you look. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. good. Uh, downer <laughs> downer <laughs> no it's great it's like it's a real, it's a nice feeling it's relaxing yeah follow us on instagram and facebook at adopted feels podcast you can follow us on twitter at adopted feels if you like what you hear please rate and review us on apple podcasts Plus, we have a Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash adopted feels. That's Patreon as in P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Oh, thanks so much, Meg. That's yeah. okay. I'm, I'm actually like, I'm super self-conscious about talking about like my schooling and stuff. Oh, no. Oh, like your high school, you mean? Yeah. Oh, it's- yeah, I don't know. I had a very similar experience. So yeah. I, I'm actually not really friends with anyone I went to high school with. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's like it's felt mutually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Eh. I don't think it was a good fit for me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think sometimes schools are a good fit for, for you as an individual and sometimes they're not. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just... Really bad place to go through puberty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add? No. Um, thank you for being a good interviewer. No, no, <laughs> not at all. No. Very good interviewer. No, no. Thank you for sharing quite openly. Yeah. No, it's all good. I'm like, I'm full of pizza, so <laughs> feeling good. <laughs>